Hello and welcome to Meet the Stars, the podcast where each week I look Anthony delve deeper into the career, life and mental health of the stars. This week's guest is critically acclaimed singer-songwriter Natalie Jean. She's multi-award winning and in 2020 she was voted World Artist of the Year at the Josie Music Awards. Her most recent album, Where Do We Go From Here, tackles some of the most contentious issues which we speak about at length in this conversation. So please welcome to the show, Natalie Jean. Natalie, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about how you came to be a musician, to be a singer-songwriter. Well, I come from a musical family. My father is a famous Asian singer. His name is Guillaume Berjean. My aunt is named Sandra Jean, and she started the whole first female band called Risque in, in Haiti. Growing up, I, basically, I was surrounded by music all the time. You know, my father had his gigs, and my father would sing to me to wake me up to go to school, and then he'd sing some songs to me during the day or at night or whatever. And I always loved to dance. And to be honest with you, I never thought that I would be singing because um, I was always shy. And, and to, to, to think about singing in front of people was like disastrous for me. When I was after college, I moved to New York City and I started out by writing spiritual poetry. And so my parents were like, well, why don't you change, um, take some of these poems and turn them into songs? So we did a three-song demo. We took one of the poems and two of my father's songs that I translated into English, and uh, we did a demo. And so I sent that demo out into the internet universe, and Tate Music Group found me, and they said, oh, we love it. And they said, oh, we want to sign you. And so we did my first album, which is called Obsession. We did an eight-song um, album, which... Uh, I think two of those songs were, was a collaboration also with my cousin, Moses Jean. And so they didn't, so Tate Music Group didn't do what they were supposed to do. And so I left them and I basically did, started to do everything on my own. Um, and when I do something, I actually become obsessed with it. So I was like on the internet daily for hours trying to search places where I could put my music. When I was little, I used to dream about dancing and stuff like that. So I had some kind of passion for music. And as a kid, I used to watch Elvis Presley, which is weird for some people. Um, Elvis Presley was a huge thing in my in my home. And I used to watch Sanford and Son and Red Fox used to sing Stormy Weather. And that's where my love of jazz came from. So my first love is is jazz. And then I ventured off into other genres because I'm a person that likes to change things up a little bit and I get bored every once in a while. So that's how that started. How supportive were your parents with, with your career? Because obviously being a musician, being a singer songwriter, it comes with its own risks and its own, its own struggles. And, and a, a lot of parents want people to go down a more academic route because it's a safer route. So how, how did they find the fact that you wanted to pursue the same career as them? They were very supportive, you know, because I already had a degree. I have a degree in uh, communication. So they, you know, I always had that thing that I could fall back on. So, you know, I could pursue the communications aspect of things and do the music at the same time. And plus, since my father was a singer already, there's nothing that they could say to me to say, well, you shouldn't really be doing this. Um, it would have been purely hypocritical since I come from a, a musical family. So they've always been very supportive. Yeah, and, and many many aspiring singers just want to be rich. They want to be famous. They want to reach number one in the charts. But your sole aim is to leave this world in a slightly better place than you found it. 
How much of a responsibility do you feel to write and sing about the contentious issues in the world? I think it's very important as musicians and artists to write about the times. You know, I attend a lot of music webinars and conferences, and the one thing they always say is artists are not writing about the times like they did in the 60s and 70s, which prompted me to write my latest album called Where Do We Go From Here? And I also wanted to change my branding. You know, for me, it's about being more of an effective player in life to make a difference. And I think that musicians, artists, we we have this power with music. You know, music is the one place where people, you know, truly get along. They truly get along. Nobody cares about anything else. They party, they go, wow, they do all kinds of things. So I think that when you can take a set of lyrics and have somebody sit down and really think about things, then you have accomplished a great deal. My whole thing is that I want to be remembered as somebody that tried to do something, that tried to make a change. I want somebody to say, well, Natalie did that, or she tried to do that. She wanted to reach many people with her music and not trying to change their minds, but basically putting themselves in other people's shoes. I find it very inspiring that you want to have this big reach and and help leave this world in a slightly better place than you found it. I find that truly inspiring and I think it's amazing and it really comes across in your music and even some of your earlier albums as well. But obviously you appreciate that to to reach uh, the number of people you want to reach, you have to, there has to be an element of of popularity, there has to be an element of something that is relatable and and attainable for people. And so I guess I guess it's very necessary to have to aim for awards and these materialistic things that that we, we try to tear away from and, and be authentic. So do do you appreciate that? Do you, do you still find that you have to chase such materialistic things in order to 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 reach your dream to to reach and change people's lives? It's it's truly sad, but you have to do that. You know, I am a voting member with the the Grammys, the Recording Academy, and if you ever watch the Grammys, you will notice that the people that are winning are basically mainstream artists. It's very rare that you see an independent, an, in, an indie like me, like somebody that does everything for themselves. And there are independents that have, you know, labels and managers and stuff like that that have won, but it's hard for an indie like me to be recognized. And unfortunately, there, there are two sides of the coin. When you enter songwriting contests and award shows and stuff like that, the greatest thing that you can get in that is that you meet fellow indie artists and you can create some of the most amazing collaborations. On the flip side of that, you you go into the game of trying to get awards, trying to win accolades for your music. And it's great to win awards. I'm not going to say that it's not, but you have to play the game, unfortunately, because it's hard to be seen as an independent artist. I can't tell you how many times I've sent a press release to one of the, not even a local, the Washington Post here. And it's hard for them to even put my press release online. It's just, it's ridiculous to me. You know, it's sad. Also, if you listen to the radio station, they rather play the same song a hundred times before they will put an independent artist on the radio. Why? It's pay to play. So you have to repeatedly listen to the same song. So there was an artist, (laughs) the I used to hear on the radio, I would get in the car in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. It was the same artist to the point that I couldn't listen to the artist anymore. Every time this person would come on, I'd have to shut, shut the radio station off. And I think it's a, it's a deterrent. It's almost like, you know, the, the music industry doesn't want 
the audience to learn about other people. You know, it's always about the Drake's or the Taylor Swift's or the Beyonce's. And I like those artists. But the thing is, there are thousands of other artists that are out there that are so fantastic. You know, Taylor Swift came out with a great album, but there's so many independent artists that have albums like that. And unless you have the money or unless you're or you win a Grammy or you're nominated for this, that and the other, you know, people don't take they don't take a, a, a look. And I have friends that, you know, they hate the whole contest thing. But I said, you know what? But people look at my resume and they say, oh, let me check you out. Let me see what, what she's done. Oh, maybe I can interview her. Maybe I, we can collaborate or whatever the case may be. It's unfortunate, but it's necessary to enter all those awards and contests. It's notoriously one of the hardest industries to to work in and trying to try to make it in. You know, you, you could be the best musician in the world, but never, never get heard. So how do you handle that regular rejection that you face in the industry? I, after all this time of being, I've been doing this for about um, nine years now. You know, the rejection is a learning experience and I don't really take it as a rejection. OK, they don't like it. Somebody else will. Because, you know, music is subjective. I've had I've entered one the same song in two contests and two awards and one award loved it. And the other one, I didn't get a nomination or I won something. So you have to take things with a grain of salt. And the biggest thing that I've learned is that you have to love your own music. If you don't love your music, don't put it out there. I mean, I listen to my own songs all the time, every single day. And because I can appreciate the, the fact that I've taken the time to write these songs, it's just, it's a, it's a very, 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 very hard industry. But I've learned not to give in to the people that don't like the music because my music is not for everybody. It's just not. And so I cater to the people who will like my music. And that's why I do several genres because I can reach a lot of people. And that's why I sing in many different languages because I can reach a lot more people than just doing one genre, although right now I, I consider myself an Americana artist because it allows me to do several genres in one genre. Do you think that would potentially saturate what you do too much and spread it out too thin? Or do you think that that's authentic enough to, to, you know, to, to still be successful and to still be attainable for, for um, many, many people? Well, it's an inter interesting question because somebody asked me one day, so, so what's your genre? I said, well, I'm a versatile artist. I'm multi-genre. And he says, no, what's your genre? And I kept repeating. And so some people do feel that if you do many genres, there's no place for you. But, you know, I don't believe in that. And I like to do what I want to do. I don't like to stick to the so-called rules of music or, or the way you're supposed to write a song. You know, so many places they keep telling you, well, we don't want you to sound like this artist. We want to know who you are as an artist. So I basically do what I want. I really don't care what people think. You know, when people listen to my music, they're, they're always like, oh, my God, Natalie speaks her truth. She, she's not afraid to put certain songs out there. I'm not. You know, you have to be I don't want to say iconic, but you have to bring something different to the plate. And even if some people don't appreciate what you're doing again there are people that are going to appreciate what you're doing. And so you cater to that crowd. So no, I don't think I saturate anything. I think what I do is I, I get more fans. I get more people to like my music because I do so many different genres. I once uh, read a book about trying to make it in different 
in different industries. And one of the one of the sentences in there um, was something like, "It's better to have a niche and small audience who love everything that you do, than have a global audience that think you're okay." That's a great sentiment. I mean, I think there are many people that can stick to that one niche, but I'm versatile. You know, I won World Artist and Versatile Artist at the twenty at the Josie Music Awards. I love the versatility thing because not many people can do what I can do. Not many people can sing in, in multiple multiple languages. Not many people can do multiple genres, and I can speak to so many more people than the one person that's singing that one genre. You know, especially being multilingual, I can reach a vast, vast amount of people with that. And like I said, you know, I do what I want. I'm not here to cater to what some people think in the music industry, how I should be. I should know who I am. And that's what I present. You raise an interesting point there, because whilst what we absorb on television, on the radio, in in on um, on the internet and often on YouTube, are people that are, have had, you know, hundreds of people that have have molded their their image, molded what they do. You know, it's gone through hundreds of people to, you know, the the post production, and everyone's gone through and had their input on on their career. But really, what most musicians want to achieve is to be working and not have to wake up and do a day job and be able to actually be booked. And so if you've got all these different, multiple different talents and multiple different, uh, you know, avenues to what you do, then you can become a working musician relatively quickly and, and relatively successfully, which is which is hugely sort of helpful for you. Yeah, that's the other part. I'm glad you brought that up is that because I do so many genres, you know, besides trying to perform, you know, doing CDs and stuff like that, I'm trying to get my music into film, television, you know, commercials, documentaries. So if somebody asks for a pop song, I can give it. Somebody asks for R&B, I can give it. If somebody wants a dance song, I can give it. You know, there I, I do my music is with some publishing companies now. So it allows me, yeah, many ways to make more money in this industry, especially now with this pandemic and a lot of people are not performing, they're doing live streams like I've been doing. Um, yeah, it gives me a different avenue to be able to do music and to make money. I was going to say, you, you raised it earlier, as you mentioned, you sing in multiple languages. And as a radio presenter myself and somebody that does present music and prides myself on playing music that people haven't heard one of the challenges I set my audiences is playing a song that I'm sure they haven't heard and then offer a prize if they have heard of it and they can prove that they've heard of it so I play music from all over the world and I've always said on the radio whenever I'm talking about it I say that music is the universal language of the world it doesn't matter what what um, language you, you sing it in or what lyrics you sing it in, we can all feel an emotion and a feeling from the sounds that we're hearing. Is that something you, you like to convey in your in your music, especially in those moments that somebody like myself is English, um, hears one of your songs from um, Haitian? Oh yeah, no, definitely. When I'm singing, you can you can feel what I'm, what I'm singing. Obviously, before I start singing, a foreign song, I do try to explain what the song is about. But when I sing in a different language, specifically uh, the Haitian Creole or the 
French uh, songs, people really do feel those omissions. And, and the funny thing is, is when I perform, people always ask me for the foreign language songs before the, the English songs. They love it. They just love to hear the different sounds, the, the different emotions through that music. And this, my French music is some of the, my most popular songs out there. Yeah. So you have got a new album out and it's called Where Do We Go From Here? And to me, that just spills out a huge amount of honesty, authenticity and and so much bravery. What was the inspiration behind the album? Well, I was looking at the world and listening to some of the webinars and music conferences about people not writing about the times like they did in the 60s and 70s. I said, you know, and then I started to think about who I wanted to be as an artist. You know, it's great to write love songs. I still write love songs. Um, breakup songs and stuff like that. But I wanted to be, you know, more of an effective player. I wanted to try to make a difference. I wanted people to listen to somebody's perspective, uh, what's going on around the world. And so I did a lot of research. I had a lot of different themes for this album. And then I narrated it down to 15 songs. And what you hear is about my own sexual assault. The first song, I did a song called Heroes, which basically talks about how this, it's a true story about this kid that, this Hispanic kid that risked his life to save his entire school. I think he was the only person to die in the gun violence in the United States. And the perspective on that is that that kid should not be a hero because he should be a kid. He should be alive to be a brother, you know, an uncle. He should be with his friends playing video games, laughing, but the, the kid is dead. Then I have my song, I Am, which is about racism. It's my perspective on racism and telling people that I'm not going to fear you. I'm going to leave, live my life because this is my right. Look at me. Really look at me. You don't know me. Yet you judge me. You look at the color of my skin. And assume all the wrong things you would rather listen to the noise. You know, I have a song called um, This House, which is a co-write with Michael Peloso, which talks about immigration um, situation and, and that supposedly America is the place that people come so that they can have a certain sense of freedom. Numb is about the, the gun violence in the United States. Uh, the shootings, it's just like, Every time there's a shooting now, people are just like, oh, oh, well, it's another shooting. People become like zombies. They become extremely numb. Tired is a very interesting song. One, I was thinking about songs I needed to write. And one morning I looked at myself in the mirror and I was just like, I said, I'm so tired. I'm just tired of everything. And that's how that song about to talk about the different things going on in the world. Mother Earth is obviously about um, climate change and the things we think are essential to our lives in what's really essential to our lives. Uh, the forgotten is about homeless veterans. Um, in the United States, we always praise the veterans, but yet if you walk around, you'll see homeless veterans in DC. We Kneel is about the tragic brutality of police brutality against minorities, uh, specifically blacks in the United States. I do have a music video for that and it depicts the different clips of police brutality and how you know kneeling is actually a form of respect and I wanted to give them people a background of why Colin Kaepernick did what he did. He actually went to a veteran and asked them how to respectfully kneel. And people seem to forget about that. And 
and how when people are injured, people kneel <clears throat> and people kneel in church and all that stuff. Where, what would you do for love is about the immigration policy. It's like, sit down. You may not agree with the, the way people come here. You know, there's two different ways. They're seeking asylum. There are people that come here illegally uh, without a doubt, but there's a process. So, and people will sacrifice everything to save their parents or save their children. So I wanted people to sit down and really think about what, how, and what they would sacrifice uh, for their own family. Hands Up is about a tragedy that happened in the United States. Again, another gun shooting. Love Your Own Power is a song a co-write with Michael Greenlee about female empowerment. We Rise is another one that I wrote about female empowerment. I did a lot of research for that one. The Letting Go is a song basically about letting go. Sometimes in politics and all, in life, we have to let go of our own wants and desires and come to the clean to the table so both sides can say okay let's see what we can do to help the entire country and you don't know me is basically a song about how people sometimes use you or you know they don't really get to know who you are as a person they just assume a lot of things so that's the album in a sense so basically it's like where do we go from here with when all of these things are happening in the world it's an excellent album, and and I, you know, I, I certainly enjoyed many of your songs, and I'll I'll get on to one of my favorite songs on the album in just a moment. A lot of what you've spoken about there, in in and at least write about in the album, are about often very negative things that are happening in the world. As as a writer myself, I don't write music anymore, but as a writer myself, I whilst whilst my inspiration would initially come from something potentially negative or something that's hit me hard I can only write those things or be creative in those things when I'm in a good space mentally how do you bring yourself into a space that is able to flow the creativity and allow that inspiration and and sometimes anger and passion into what are great songs and and great pieces of writing as well it's funny that I, besides this album, my Haitian album was one of the most difficult to sort of write because I wrote it in English and I had to translate it into Haitian Creole. And there's so many different ways you can say something. Where do we go from here was difficult to write because I, I wanted to write an album that was different than any other album out there in regards to how things were expressed. It's like one person that reviewed my music in Music Connection magazine, he reviewed Heroes and he said, I had a different take on it in the, in the instrumentation because at first when you hear it, you think you're just going to find this joyous song. And yet it's a song about gun violence. And writing the songs were a bit difficult for me at times because of everything that I'm surrounded by, especially in the United States and seeing the tragedy every single day. You know, I'm Black, I'm living in America. My, my family's from Haiti. You know, Trump called the, the, the our country should hold country and his his abusive words towards women. I really had to gauge all of that negativity. I had to feel the negativity. The negativity actually pushed me more to do the songs than anything else, because sometimes we sit down and we look at everything and we're just like, OK, this is how life is is going right now. But I think there's some people that really don't take the time to feel what's going on. You know, my mom will always tell me, oh, Natalie, you're, you're too emotional with this, this kind of stuff. And I'm always like, how can you not feel what's going on? Especially as being a minority living in the United States, there's so much hate. But at the same time, I think that when you create music out of negativity and people are wearing blinders on, 
you can actually open their eyes to say, oh my gosh, is this really what's going on? I've been, I've, I've been so blinded that I, that I didn't know that these things were happening. Maybe I need to self-evaluate. Maybe I need to make a movement. Maybe I need to join a march. So I think it was well worth it to deal with, with uh, my pain to be able to come out with this album. Do you worry that your content would turn people against you and therefore your music? So when I did We Kneel, We Kneel was the only song that I felt that uh, we kneel maybe uh, what would you do for love? But we kneel more so I thought, oh my God, I'm going to talk about this kneeling thing. And the anthem here in the United States is such a huge thing for people. Some people, um, it's a sign of respect. But if people took the time to listen to the actual song, you know, it talks about washing the enemies with the blood of the slaves. It really doesn't, is not a song for hope for minorities. But, you know, when I decided to do it, I said, screw it. I don't really care. You know, these are my feelings. This is actually what's happening on in, in, in the world. And some people will like it and some people won't. When I, I have a music video for this song and when people first saw the video, you know, I was surprised that people were, were more so appreciative of the song and the video more than anything else. I didn't really get any backlash. And I was actually very shocked from that because I have friends from all walk of life and that, you know, the don't believe in the kneeling and, oh, that the Colin could have done something different. But I think it also opened people's eyes to actually see the brutality because the person that helped me with the video, I said, you know, I need some of the most hideous videos that we have out there of police brutality. I can also say that the first song on the album is the most shocking for people, actually, because they're not expecting it. And again, people are just like, my God, Natalie's brave. She, she talks about her truth. You know, I try to write songs that might help the audience. You know, you never know who's listening, who might need that song at that time. One of your songs, I Am, really resonated with me. There's a lyric in it that goes, I am a black woman born free and you can't take, you can't take that away from me. I won't be told what and who I am supposed to be. What inspired that? You know, when <laughs> I was trying to decide to write a song about racism, I really didn't know how to go about it. I listened to other uh, songs about racism and I said, well, I wanted to have a different feel. And, and then it came to me that I needed to do it from my own perspective and what I was feeling at that time. And so... You know, it took me a while to write that song and, and I'm a spiritual person. So I decided why not call it I am because there's a lot of spirituality in that. And then I started to think about how I've been feeling because I lay at night, you know, thinking about, you know, what could happen to me? There's so many people that hate me. But at the same time, I have to remain fearless. So I thought about all those things. And it was funny because there was one word I needed that was missing. <laughs> And I went to the gym and there I was watching this show called Originals and I was watching something in it and they, they had the, the word hollow in it. And I was like, oh my God, that's, that's the word that I needed for the song. And I, I wanted people to really understand what it feels like to be a black woman living in America right now or being black per se in America right now. And to say, no matter how much you hate me or you give into these illusions of what you think I am, I am born free. You're not going to take that away from me. I am going to be who I am. I'm going to stand firm no matter what, 
because this is what America is supposed to be. We're supposed to be the land of the free and opportunity and all this stuff. And, and that we're supposed to love everybody in there. But I wanted to demonstrate that right now people are not doing that. They're not doing it at all. And so when I recorded I Am, it's really interesting. I, when I go to my music producer, Lexi von Guggenberg, I say, we talk about the different instruments. I tell him what I want. You know, I want this folksy Americana vibe and these instruments. And we said, okay, we put everything together. And then I did it. I did that song in one take. So what you hear is true. One take. Wow. I just sang it the way I was feeling. And that's how I am came about. I am a black woman. Born free. And you can't take, you can't take that away from me. Wow, that's incredible. One take. Yeah, one take. It's interesting because in the UK, many people that are inspiring, aspiring to be musicians, aspiring to be actors or comedians or presenters, often turn to America, um, especially those that are of of um, who are black, because there's this there's this idea that is easier to make it as a black person in America than it is in the UK. Mm. How true is that? That's interesting to me because people are always telling me, "Oh no, it's better for you to go to like Europe or the UK to make it as an as an artist." Period. <laughs> that there we because I know a lot of people that have gone there they've had a lot more popularity than they do here in the United States. I would say that that's not true because the United States is so picky <laughs> about, you know, the artists that they follow. They're picky about the music and everything in it. So I'm actually surprised by that statement. Yeah, there's um, there's, a, there's a few there's a few out there that, that have ventured out to America. I guess that depends and, and changes dependent on the states. Um, I'm sure that's, that's something that, that changes aspect where were you when you found out about the murder of george floyd i was i I believe i was at work when i found out about it and i had not till this day i've only seen like a 20 second clip of that video because i just refused to watch it because i internalize a lot of things and that video would have stayed with me right now for the uh, rest of my life. But when the whole George Floyd incident occurred, it was just like, that is like enough is enough. And I, th- and I often think about it at night. Why was that the precursor for so many people to decide this was the one that they were going to march and protest I'm for? I mean, there's been other protests, but this was huge. This was worldwide, you know, and I don't know if it's because, you know, at one point the man, George, cried out for his mother and people really felt that. And they witnessed this man just dying before their eyes and they're witnessing, you know, this is just crazy police brutality because this man could have been saved. It's just, it's mind boggling, mind boggling that in the United States, we're still dealing with these types of issues. But yeah, I was, I was at work, I believe. It's, it was uh, it really resonated with us and, and and it came at a point that we thought that the world was united against this one en- enemy of the pandemic and then suddenly this this happened and and it just it just it was like a sledgehammer hitting 
you know, of the pavement and, and just cracked it right down the middle again. And suddenly, you know, one side's fighting the other side again. And it just, I don't, how do you convert that element of sadness and anger into such progressive and emotive and relatable music and responding, like responding with positivity rather than negativity? very hard i mean because in the united states we see this type of brutality on the daily so you know one of the things you can do to bring that into some kind of positivity is just to see how many people are rallying against the racism rallying against the brutality my mom myself and a friend of my mom's went down to dc and protested we marched also um even during this COVID, i was like oh my god i can't write this music and not be part of the marching and protesting and so, but I was like, we're only staying for an hour. There's still COVID out there. Let's not be crazy. I mean, it, there were tons of people, but the people wore masks. People were handing out masks. Um, there was water and everything like that. Um, but you get inspired by the people that are out there doing the work and sacrificing their own lives for this, uh, for the, this type of brutality and, 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 and asking people for peace and asking people to stop looking at the skin color of people. And, you know, I just had an argument with somebody recent a couple of days ago about the fact that he said, Oh, we live in a country where it's innocent until proven guilty. I said, what country do you live in? Cause I'd like to live in that country because we're not living in that country right now, you know? And he's like, what, what do you mean? And then I had to go on into the whole thing. But I think it's because of how so many people really were just shocked and really wanted to do something right about this, that, I was able to write some songs and try to be positive about it. How can white people help prevent these things from happening going forward? I think, and, and I had this conversation with somebody and we all agree that if, I think white people have to be the most vocal. They have to be. Even though blacks are now starting to be heard, it, it, white people have to be tired of being blamed for this. They have to be tired of seeing this and they have to understand that the, the aspect of privilege, they have to understand that, yeah, there's a difference between the way a white person is treated and a black person is treated in certain circumstances. And until those voices are raised by white people, we might stay in the same situation. It's unfortunate that it has to be white people that have to be louder but it is what is absolutely that that is a shame that is one of those things that that is very disappointing and and there's there's a huge amount of guilt that many white people feeling myself included towards this and i think that the, the sooner we can shake off that guilt for for being born into privilege just by being a different color to somebody else is is really really sad and that we've we've got to shake that off because the quicker we can do that and the quicker we can start having these conversations progressively, not just, I mean, we've been talking about these things for centuries and, you know, it's just, it's, it's not about having the conversation, it's about how do we resolve this conversation? How do we get to the end of this conversation? How can we start understanding why people are racist and why people see colour as, as, a, as, a, as a difference, as, as something that separates us as people rather than seeing beyond a visual you know, our visual cues or the visual things about somebody and seeing into their soul. Yep, I agree 100%. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame you haven't got there yet. So what hopes do you have in the future about about where where the world can go to move towards a more e equal 
equal world and an equal place because you don't just raise you know race in in your album you raise many other issues like sexual abuse and male chauvinism and and sexuality and so many different aspects of your album like resonate on so many different levels for so many different people so where where, where do we go from here literally where do we go from here people need to gain some kind of understanding you know about other people that it's not necessarily it's not a race issue if you i think people need to get to know other people in the sense also i here's the big thing i think people need to do i think people need to drop their opinions come to the table fresh both sides or all sides of the parties and just discuss in an adult matter how we can all get to a place where there's no hate obviously people are going to annoy you you can get angry at somebody because they did something to you but the whole race issue is just stupid hating somebody because of a certain race or because of a certain stereotype is just ridiculous and and racism is something that is not learned you're not born a racist your family members or your your society teaches you how to be that way you know it's also at least for the united states is getting rid of people that are in power right now that endorse racism the people that say, oh, they're the least racist people are the people that usually are the racist people. You know, in the United States, racism has always been there. But when you give it a voice and people think that they can say and do whatever they want to you, there's a problem. So it also starts out with the whole voting aspect, which we're doing right now. Um, and even if that doesn't turn out the right way, we need more people in certain positions to start rallying against the hate. There's got to be more policies against hate, especially here. I mean, I think that people should go to jail long, for longer term when they do something that's racially motivated. But again, it comes down to people need to drop all their opinions and come to the table and really work together for a com common cause. And that's right to life. That's right to live in your own country, whether you're black, white, Hispanic, or whatever the case may be. I spoke to somebody a few weeks ago who had been working in a, the corporate world for over 20 years and she, she was black herself and she spoke of a tiredness, an exhaustion from having to fight that little bit harder than everybody else just to level the playing field for herself. What drives you on a daily basis to keep going despite all of the setbacks that you, you have just purely because of where, where, where you originate from? I always threaten people to, with voodoo. No, I'm just joking. That's one way to do it. I'm a, a very spiritual person. Um, and I try not to give in to the negativity, although I have to admit sometimes it gets to me. I just have to know that I'm just going to be nice. I'm going to be sweet. I'm going to have a lot of compassion for people. I'm going to put myself in other people's shoes. I'm going to try to gain some understanding. I have friends that are Trump supporters, but you know, the, the reason I remain friends with them is because they can see a certain side of, of Trump that's just disgusting. They will tell me, you know, I don't agree with his policies here, but here's where I think he's made a difference. I can respect that. I don't let the world issues, well, I try not to let the world issues dictate how my life is going to be. I have decided I dictate how my life is going to be, no matter what the position is or what type of position I'm, you know, getting, trying to get into the music industry or work with this person or get to the Grammys or, you know, win a lot of awards or whatever the case may be. I just have to know that, that who I am as a person is going to 
motivate people to want to work with me. And I just have to go from there. I mean, because not everybody in the world is going to be racist the way that they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. In the, in the words of Ella Fitzgerald, she says, just don't give up trying to do what you really want to do. Where there is love and inspiration, I don't think you can go wrong. What does that quote mean to you? I think that's the best quote ever. Where there is love, there is inspiration. Because when, you're, when, you're love, when your heart is full of love, you're inspired to do so many beautiful things. There's no negativity in that whatsoever. And that's the thing. I think if people had more love in their lives, we wouldn't be in the situation where we are today in the world. Because love is the, the healing aspect of everything. It brings a smile to everybody's face. I mean, there's nothing that love cannot do. It is the most healing, powerful thing in the world. Obviously, before the pandemic and hopefully again in the future, you spend you spend many hours on the road traveling to different places to perform, you know, all over the USA and, and hopefully beyond that as well in the future. What grounds you? My cat. You know, I love... <laughs> he's giving me heartache right now, but my animals ground me. I love nature. Nature grounds me. Music grounds me. And I have to say that music is my saving grace. If I weren't doing music, even though I didn't know I was going to do when I was little, I don't know where I would be. I, I honestly don't know where I would be because music allows me to convey so many different emotions. I sing when I'm angry. I sing when I want to cry. I sing when I'm happy. It is a stress releaser. You know, I do a lot of these live streams and sometimes I'm just singing to myself and it's okay because it allows me to set myself free on so many different levels. It's just been, you know, music is my saving grace. In your culture, in, in, in the American culture, should I say, you're taught to believe that you can be anybody you want to be. You're taught that anyone can become president of the United States. But that can breed a lot of anxiety for people and a feeling of failure because they, they don't feel that they can reach, <laughs> you know, the certain heights that other people perceive as success. So what do you think success should be defined as? For me, success, specifically in the music industry, is your body of work and what you've had to say and how you engage with people and how you respect people and how you are compassionate towards people. I think being a good person is the, the, best, the best aspect of being successful. But with music, I would, yeah, I would definitely have to say it's your body of work and what you you know, what you've brought out to the world. And it could be a love song. It could be a song about breaking up. It could be a social impact message song. It could be anything that you want. But as long as you put your soul and you put love into it, here we go with the, the word love. I, I think that's where you become extremely successful. But in a world with so much hate, where do you find that love? Whew! That, that love, you, you have to have, you've got to find it within you. You have to find it within you. The thing that I've learned also is that if you don't love yourself, how do you expect the world to love you? Because what you are <clears throat> vibrating out to the world is, you know, negativity. You don't love yourself. And that's all people are going to find. You have to find some way to see the beauty within you, the, the, be the beauty outside of you, and just recognize that. And I think that's the key to everything. That's, um, that, that really resonates, and I'm sure many people listening to this would also resonate with that too. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's truly important. I, 
you know, I've learned in past relationships, you know, a lot of people like to blame other people for past relationships. But what I've come to understand is that, you know, there's two two parties in a relationship and you have to really self-reflect and say, you know, why are you in this relationship? Why are you dating the same type of people? That's your responsibility. That's when you have to say, yeah, I need to cut this, this loose. It's almost like collaborations with other artists. You work with certain artists and it's fantastic. Other artists is just like pulling, pulling teeth and you're like, well, never going to do this again. You know, you have to be able to learn to appreciate who you are. And a lot of people have a problem with that. They, they feel, oh, that's so conceited. I can't love myself. I can't do that. What is the world going to think? I frankly had had to learn how to do it for several years because I was just like, oh no, I hate this about me. And, oh, you know, you know, I'm a person that suffers from depression from time to time. And this is, this whole pandemic in this past four years have been extremely hard for me, extremely hard to cope. But I have to go back to my principles and say, you know, I'm stronger than this. There's a reason I'm out here in the world doing the things that I, that I'm doing. I have a destiny. I have a mission of some sort and I need to fulfill that. In those darkest moments during the pandemic, when you felt that there was no hope and there was no way that you can go, how do you initially lift yourself back up to a place that is able to start progressing again and moving forward, so to speak? I pray <laughs> and I talk to myself. I have to talk to myself and I have to remind myself that even though we have a pandemic, there are people that are worse off than me. I always have to do that. And that I'm lucky that, you know, I live with my mom and my uncle and I could be alone and I'm here with my cat and I could be alone and, and I, I still have a job. I could be living in a, in a box. These are the things that have pushed me to have some kind of bright spirit during this whole thing and not give in to my depression. You know, it's just, uh, it's just been really hard, but that's, that's what basically has pushed me through. So many young people listening to this now would really feel what you're saying and could perhaps be going through a difficult time in the younger years and really wanting to become a musician and are looking for affirmation and validation from everywhere else but themselves. If you were talking to yourself at 17, aspiring to be who you are now, being in the position that you are in now, what advice would you give them about self-validation and and affirmation i basically would say to them you are good enough look at yourself every day in the mirror and tell yourself you are good enough you don't no one has to validate your greatness nobody has to validate your success you are already successful by the fact that you woke up that morning you are already successful because you are a good person you are already successful because you are who you are I would also tell that person, never change. Don't change. Never change who you are for anybody else. If somebody tells you, well, you need to know. If you need to change yourself, it's because you see something that needs to change within you. And you basically need to love yourself. It always goes back to that loving yourself. And at least just evolve. Evolve. That's right. That's right. How do you think you have become so mindful and, and open and spiritual about about self-validation and self-love does that come from experience and life experience or other places does that come from 
you know, seeing your own success or reading or looking into other other places or where do you learn to be so spiritually aware of your own self-image and your own self-satisfaction? Well, one of the things is I'm also an interfaith minister, so that helps. So I studied this thing for the longest time called spiritual science, called Christian science, but it's more spiritual than anything else. And the thing is, it teaches you about speaking your truth and not giving into the illusions of life because life is always going to tell you that you're no good. There's always things that are going to come at you and try to deter you from who you are as a spiritual being. And that it also teaches you that you create your own life, like the experiences that you have in your life, not if you're assaulted or stuff like that, but that if something goes amiss, you need to retrace your steps and see, okay, what did I do in this situation that caused this to happen? It's about taking responsibility for your own actions. A lot of the times you want to do the, you would blame game. We want to blame everybody else for everything except for ourselves. So taking responsibility is key, key to making sure that you have a greater path because you can't, you can't blame everybody else for everything. It's also speaking your own truth. If you sit there every day and have affirmations as I am love, I am truth, I am everything that I'm supposed to be. I am good. Uh, there's good for me and I ought to have it. If you believe in those things, it, it's a belief system. You have to believe these things about yourself so that you can move forward in life. And sometimes it's very difficult because things will be thrown at you to tell you that you are not good enough. And that's when you fight harder against that. That's when you affirm more that you are a loving being and that you deserve to have success just like anybody else. And that you're going to, you're not just going to sit and wait for the success to happen to you, but you're going to work at it. Go on the internet, find some people to collaborate with, you know, submit your music to radio stations, post every single day on all the social media platforms. But yeah, you are the key to your own success. How much of an impact does accepting that you're not okay have on your long-term stability? When I go through my bouts of depression, you know, I do, I, sometimes I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And you, and I've had to accept that I do suffer from depression from time to time, and it can be very severe. Um, oftentimes people will tell me, well, maybe you need to talk to somebody, but that won't work for me because I want, there's certain uh, questions that I have that I will not get answers to. And so, I don't know, you just have to push through it. And, and it's not easy for some. Some people give up and they just give in to not wanting to be here anymore. And some people can rally through it. Some people do have a circle of friends that, that will motivate them and push them. But for me, I, I have to do it on my own. I have to push myself. I have to see that I am good enough to be able to continue. Like a lot of people will say to me, oh my gosh, you have so, so much success, Natalie, you're doing so great. And I'm very humble about things. I don't really talk about those things. And on social media, I kind of have to, because you have to do that whole thing for the music and the artist thing. But I'm just a person just trying to be happy in life. And that's what motivates me. What does happiness mean to you? Happiness means, to, what it means to me is to be able to do what I love which is music. And so also being around my cat, which I love and being around <laughs> my cat comes back. I never, you know, I wrote a song about my cat, uh, one of my cats that died 
Uh, it's called You Are My Everything and I'm Not Ready. And people are just, when they hear those songs, they oh, they think it's a lost love. It is a lost love. It's just not somebody I was like in a lovey-dovey type of relationship with. But yeah, those things, those are, those are my, I, I love food too. Food is my happy place. When I'm feeling bad, I look for something spicy to eat also. But yeah, you know, like I said, music has, has been my saving grace. It's just a place I feel good about because I can dance and I can just wallow in whatever I'm doing. But the music will always guide me to get to a better place. Happiness is one of these things that seems so unattainable at times and so unreachable. And I think it's really heartwarming and inspiring to hear that the most simple things and the most attainable things in someone's life are the things that drive you and keep you happy. And I think I think that anyone listening to this would, would be truly inspired by that. One of the other things that drives people and, and should sort of give us something to aim for is hope. So what do you hope for the future professionally and also personally? Professionally, you know, I want to continue doing great music. I want to do more social impact message type of songs. I want to do a lot more collaborations. Um, I want to be part of a movement that makes this world a, a better place. Personally, you know, I just want to live life. I want to travel the world doing music. I want to get a, I, I want to get to a place where I don't become so depressive, but there comes a time in a woman's life that sometimes you can't, you can't help that unless you take some kind of medication. I want to get to a place personally where I don't have to struggle sometimes. Basically because music is still a struggle, but you're still trying to get out there and be seen and spend a lot of money doing it. I want to be a, uh, come to a place where I can just do that naturally, that the money is there and I can just say, oh no, not this. Oh no, yeah, maybe this. And I'll, I'll tell them I'll call them later. Um, I want to get to that place. The power of choice. The power of choice. It's huge. Well, I think everyone listening to this now would agree that this has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. I guess finally, the the, the thing to do now is to ask where people can find out more about you, where they can hear your music, where they can purchase it, and and how they can follow you on the social medias. Well, if you want to go to Twitter, Twitter is natnat7, Instagram is nataliej0819, Facebook is Obsession or Jean. You can find me on my personal page. My website is www.natalie-jean.com. Or you can Google Natalie Jean Music. Also, I'm on all streaming platforms, so you can find my music that way. And her new album, Where Do We Go From Here, is available on all the popular and important places that you can buy it from. So do go out and purchase it because it's a wonderful album. And, and you know, song by song, you're making a difference to people's lives. And, and thank you so much for joining me on Meet the Stars podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I had a great time. Natalie Jean, such an amazing outlook on the world and I really admire her for releasing music with such bold lyrics. If you'd like to follow her on social media, buy her music or find out more about us or me, all of that information is in the show notes. Next week, I'm joined by the brilliant actress Davina Moon. Stay safe, keep smiling and I'll speak to you next week. <laughs>